Gregory Marlon Tune, and we've got a special guest rocking a fire Adidas hoodie and a fire hat from Sacred Heart Cathedral. Assistant <laughs> coach there. Coach, how are you doing today, man? I'm good. I'm great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate this. Yeah, of course. Thank you for coming on today. Uh, we appreciate you coming on. It's been, a, it's been a long time since we've had a guest, but we're glad to have you on for sure. So uh, welcome welcome to the West Coast Press Podcast. He's our first Thank guest you. in what? Th- I don't think we've had a guest on since, what, April or May or even before the sports season. That's been forever. Yeah. Oh, I feel special there. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you should especially on the West Coast Preps Podcast, the 90th Absolutely. episode. But yeah, Coach, first off for the guests and for the audience, just introduce yourself and who you are and what you're doing right now. Cool. Thank you. Um, my name is Coach Mike Hill. I am the uh, co-offensive coordinator at Sacred Heart Cathedral in San Francisco, California. Uh, we play in the WCAL, you know, the private school league out here, and our head coach is uh, Coach Barry McLaughlin. Yeah, Coach, and then just kind of go into what led you to Sacred Heart Cathedral. Absolutely. Um, So I played a lot of football. I played arena football for a few years. And then um, I played at a, I mean, I coached at a small school out in uh, the peninsula and I took a break just to get my son. uh, I felt like I needed to get him right before I committed all the way to coaching high school. So I coached, you know, little kids, five-year-old Pop Warner, learned how to put on a helmet and tie your shoe, you know, but they couldn't even tie their shoe. So we tied their shoe before the game. So, um, and I love that I, you know, got back to the roots and then kind of just progressed up through there, going through the older kids. And then uh, finally having time and having my, my, the right mind space uh, to get into, I'm t- sorry, to get into high school. And then I just uh, start sending my resume to different schools that I felt like I can help contribute to um, throughout from San Francisco to, to San Jose. So I kind of just send it out and, and went off there. So I got a, you know, so I got ghost on, on some, never heard from some schools until now, right? And then I got some immediate responses from a few. So I kind of just, it's kind of like recruiting. Um, whoever made me feel more, most comfortable and I felt that I can contribute to the most, um, I went with that. And I felt like Sacred Heart, it was perfect timing. And you've got an interesting background here. You mentioned you played in the Arena Football League. Where did you play? Which teams did you play for? And how was that experience in the Arena Football League? So I, I, I compare it to like minor league baseball, right? Um, we, we are, I played, uh, in, I played in Utah with Utah Blaze. I played in an indoor team in Stockton. I went down to uh, Arizona. I played in a team in Laredo, Texas. So the, the arena league is like a one-year contract, right? So you go, go play for a team. And then at the end of the year, it's kind of like, okay, let's see where I'm gonna go next. So you're always a free agent, right? So it's a humbling experience. You got to really love the game to play arena ball, right? There's no out of bounds. I play wide receiver. You can't run out of bounds. Like you're getting crushed. You got to play all special teams, right? It's like a, you know, like a 16 man roster. So you have to play both sides of the ball a lot. And then um, just a lot of traveling. Like, you know, we're on the bus and we're traveling eight hours, nine hours to play a team and, you know, living in a hotel, but it was a humbling experience. I, I really love the game of football. So it was my opportunity to keep on playing, right? And I was trying to chase my dreams to go to like the CFL and things kind of fell through. So um, I did it as long as I could. And then after a while, like, okay, my body's a little banged up. It's time to like do something different. 
And what was the hardest part of that adjustment to the Arena Football League? Was it the out-of-bounds stuff? And how long did it take for you to adjust to those different roles they have in that league compared to just regular football? And I right. felt uh, the game is just so much faster. It, it's just it's right now, right? And and uh, being at at receiver, you're in motion, ten yards behind the line of scrimmage, and you're running full speed at a, at a person that's just ready just to take your head off, right? So it comes with like a. You got to have your mind right, like the mentality. Um, you got. I played a lot, I guess, like a, a lot harder in, in, in arena than I did on the football field because I knew, like, I got to get off this block or I'm going to be in the stands with the fans. Like, it was literally to a point like that. So the speed adjusting to the to the game was, was fast and then just the fans being right on your back. So if you think of it like at a like a hockey, a hockey setting, the fans are right there. So you're talking to fans and they want you to interact with the fans. So it was like a different, it's just a totally different experience, but I, I loved it. And they had arena football in Laredo, Texas. They do. They are the Laredo rattlesnake. So really, yeah, I went down there. It was close. It was close to Mexico. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I did, I did a short stint and I came on back. So some okay. places I adjust too well, you know, and some, some I didn't. So, but I met a lot of people along the way and I got to experience a lot of, you know, different cultures, different cities, different vibes. So I enjoyed it. Yeah, I lived in Laredo for a year up until last spring. But how was that experience there? I kind of have to ask that now. <laughs> uh, it was it was different. It was like a culture shock. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it's America, but it has a different vibe. You probably already know. So uh, we're out there and it's hot. It's 100 and some degrees. And it's like, Oh no! It was hard to adjust. It was hard to adjust, but but once it came game time that Friday night, things like that, you kind of forget about all the other stuff that that happens throughout the week. So, but yeah, Laredo was it was a great experience nonetheless. <laughs> and you talked about how humbling that experience was, but I'm assuming there's a ton of life lessons that you learned. And talk about how you've taken those life lessons you learned from your professional career into what you take into coaching now. As far as like life lessons, I can just tell these kids that I played at a high level and I played a long time. So some of the kids, you got to get them to buy in, right? It's like, okay, this coach thinks he know everything, but I did it. I played it and I'm telling you everything that I can to make you a better player, right? I'm not just blowing smoke up you just to get you to run this post route as hard as you can. But I'm telling you, if you listen to me, I think I can help you get open, right? So that helps with the buy-in to our players, right? Especially especially now, right? Um, so I use that, you know, and I tell them all the time, like, I don't, I tell them in the beginning, like I played, I played high school, I played college, I played arena. You can listen to me, right? I know what I'm talking about or you can't. And I don't have to just keep continuously like, you know, remind them, but that first meeting with the position group, I get it out there. Any questions that you have, come ask me if you want to, you know, see how the arena league is, you know, ask. And then after that, I just leave it leave it at that but it definitely helps with the buy-in and the trust and the confidence in your like in my group and what does it take to be a college athlete and what does it take to be a pro athlete um so it, it takes a lot of determination a lot of discipline right um i went to city college here in san francisco and then uh, i, I end up going to a division two school out in oklahoma Right. So that was a little culture shock there again. So it took a lot of discipline. You had to be focused. Right. Um, as far as just being a college athlete, workouts at five, six in the morning, then going to class and then going back to workouts at the end of the day. It's a it's a full time commitment. It's not just for fun. And and you also got to maintain your grades. So it's a challenging experience, but I'm so happy that I did it. And I think football 
kept me motivated so I can get my degree. So it, it worked hand in hand with me. And then kind of go back to your earliest football moments. And what was kind of the moment that you knew you loved football and wanted to do this for essentially the rest of your life? Um, you know, I, I was a basketball player originally. I think everybody likes basketball because it's it, it's fun and it, it might be you might get a little bit more attention. But I hit a growth spurt my 10th grade. So I was about, believe it or not, I was about maybe five, four in the 10th grade. And then over that summer, I grew almost six, seven inches. So when I got to my junior and senior year, I was, you know, approaching six foot. So that kind of changed the coaches attitude towards me changed. Like, I'm not like this little guy anymore. Like, okay. Like you're big, you can play. And then after that, the, just the constant uh, confidence and my coach was a uh, Frank Moore at South city. He retired now, but he, he instilled a lot of confidence in me. Like you're our guy. When we, th- when we throw the ball, you're getting the ball. You know what I mean? So that helped tremendously. And I'm forever grateful for him for that. And what led you to coaching? And when did you know coaching was what you wanted to do? You know, um, I always felt like I so I was always a captain and just a leader. So I, I felt like that would transition. Right. And then I was able to connect with like with younger kids through working at um, I worked at summer camps. Right. While I was playing arena ball, I come back home and I worked at a summer camp because they're always hiring right during the summer. So I was able to connect with kids and I knew I knew a lot of football. So then I'm like, let's just put it all together. And my son wanted to play. And I felt like, OK, I can I can teach you the best. Right. That's how I, I, I can teach you the safest way to play this game. Right. And not tackling the wrong way or no bogus drills that get you you injured. So once we start, once I start coaching with his team, and then it was like a father bond moment. We get to do this every single night, every Saturday. And then after that, um, it kind of just took off. And then once I felt he understood the fundamentals of football, then I'm like, okay, I-, I can leave now. And I can just come to practice and watch you and I can go to games on Saturday. But it was kind of like a, you know, make sure I-, I felt secure with his game before I could move on. And then what made you decide to try and go into high school coaching instead of following your son? So um, I was I was still I, as I was coaching like the, the younger kids, I was still talking to a lot of coaches and they were asking me advice like, oh, what were you guys running in college? How did you do this? What should what should I teach my receivers? So I felt like I was kind of like a consultant for different programs. And then it's like, OK, let me just go ahead and do it. Like, let me go teach it, you know, not full time, but, you know, just commit to teaching at the high school level. I, I have I mean, I had a lot of confidence that I can do it. And then it just took you know, the school to give me the opportunity. Um, Cause I want, I'm like, I need, I want to coach varsity. Like, I don't want to coach, no offense. I love freshmen and I love that, but I'm like, I think I should be coaching varsity. And that takes one school to say, okay, come and do it. And it's really tough in a WCAL cause they like to, you know, kind of groom you up through the program, but Sacred Heart gave me the opportunity and we haven't looked back since. And you're in the WCAL Arguably, people can have this debate all the time, but if it's the best league in the Bay Area, how tough is that to coach in and what makes it so challenging every single Friday night and Saturday afternoon to coach them? Absolutely. I, I compare it to like the, the SEC, right? Um, even the, the Vanderbilt at the bottom is still a great team in a different league. So every week you got to be ready to play. And it's a physical league. It's a physical league. So I was used to players playing two-way, like, you know, two-way players. And then I, in this league, I'm like, maybe you should play one way and conserve all your energy and just bang it out on offense or defense. Um, teams like Sierra, they tend to run like a platoon, right? And when we played them last year, we played players both ways. In that third quarter, 
was a pounding. And then we figured out, like, okay, this league is real deal. Like, there's some big-time hitting, big-time players, as we can see, getting recruited all over the nation. So it, it's hard. you got to be prepared, and you got to be on your A game every day. So, you know, I'm up late nights and early mornings thinking of the small things to help us be successful. And Chris and I have had this debate on air, off air, of which league is better. Is it the WCAL or is it E-ball? Which one do you think is the number one league in the Bay Area right now? I got I got to think right now. Yeah, I got to think it's the WCAL, right? These teams are these teams are are loaded. I mean, we're on the lower end. We're we're on the lower end. We're coming up, right? We're coming up. But um, but it, it's tough. It's tough. The coaches are good. The programs are good. They have admin support, and you're getting like some of the best players within the area, right? You know, especially being in that private school, you can get kids that live in San Francisco that go to school in, in Mountain View at St. Francis. Like, that's just how it goes. So it's the best of the best. And just going off that, too, in your Sacred Art Cathedral program, you mentioned going from the bottom and working your way to the top. How are you guys really building this program to get to that point? So, you know, uh, this last COVID season, we, uh, we were able to bring in a, a staff that has played a lot of football from, you know, all of our coaches now have played college football um, and they coach high school football. So the mentality that we have is, okay, we're here to win. No matter what happened years ago, it's a brand new start. And credit to our coach, our head coach, Barry, he, he accepted that too. Like, hey, this is a new year. And he put a lot of confidence and faith in, uh, in us, right? So everybody's buying in. The coaches are bought in and even the players. Some of the seniors talked to me, uh, you know, yesterday after their conditioning, like coach, just a little bit different. It's different this year, and I'm and I'm telling you, I believe in y'all. I think it will be. So I think we're gonna surprise a lot of teams this year, um, and we're gonna be a pretty good football team. Do you find maybe players trust you more in some way, your staff, because all of you have been college football players and you know what it takes to go to that level? Absolutely, it, it helps with the buy-in, especially if they're not listening, right? We're like, man, we told you, we we've been taught this for a reason, and it was successful. Right. And we're trying to let you, I mean, help you be successful too. So just believe in us. And then the other thing is you can do it your way and then it doesn't work and then try it my way. And if it works, then let's keep doing it that way. And then just kind of go into more of your expectations of this season. It seems like the kids are really starting to buy in to what you guys are doing as a coaching staff there. Uh, talk about the WCL and how hard of a league it is, but what do you guys, what's your expectations for this year? You know, I, I honestly feel our coaches feel like we're a playoff team, right? Uh, we'll, we'll get through our preseason, our first three games, and then we'll grind it out in the in the WCL. So we got seven league games. That'll be tough, but we'll be competitive. We'll be we'll definitely be competitive. So I think we have a chance. Our expectations are, are, are to win seven games and to get in the playoffs. That's where we're at. Uh, we came off of, of the win this last season, and we're trying to just take that momentum as far as we can. So our expectations are pretty high um for ourselves so and from when you guys first took over the program to where you're at now going into this fall how much have you guys seen this program grow just at all three levels so uh the the having the spring the spring and the summer camp has been tremendous because now we're able to fully mint fully implement the offense and the defense that we want to run the COVID season was a little rust and we're trying to get some things in and then we had a lot of you know well we used to do it this way or we called it this, 
right? Because we're new coaches coming in. So now they, they now they understand like, okay, this is how we're doing it this year. And, and they bought in. The seniors are, are pretty locked in. Um, so it helps a lot. And how did you get that buy-in and implement a new system through COVID and through that virtual world? You know, we, all of our coaches were there every day, right? From from the time that they allowed us to practice until, you know, the, the spring, we were there. We I mean, there wasn't a lot of absences within our coaching staff. So them just getting familiarity with us and constantly talking to us and even picking our brains. And now they're starting to buy in. Um, once the seniors kind of locked in, then it was easier to go like downward, right? So they're the leaders on the team. So we got them and you know, they're the drill sergeants. Like I tell them, I don't need to tell you guys what to do as far as step back or get a rep. The seniors will handle that. I just want to focus on what do I have to do to call a great play and be successful, even if it's in team or in seven on seven. So that's been tremendous. And then coach, I kind of want to take you through a little scenario here. You got a two minute drill, tie game, championship game on championships on the line. What's the two minute drill look like and what plays are you calling? So we got some fast players. One of our, our, our players is uh, Kendrick Sanders. He finished third in CCS um, in the 100, and he's just blazing. So we want to get that kid the ball as much, as much as possible and get him out. I think it's only a few kids that can actually run with him in this league. So um, we're, we're going to try to mix it up to get him the ball. Um, a lot of, you know, if we're going to go misdirection and shifts and motions, we want to keep this defense guessing. And then we also have our senior running back is a Derek Regan and he'll pound you. He'll pound it. He'll pound it down your throat. So we got a good balance and we got receivers like uh, Bruce. He's our senior wide receiver. I think one of the arguably the best two way players in this league and they're playmakers. So like I tell our young quarterback is get them the ball as quick as possible and, and let them do the rest. And you're also doing stuff off the field too. I know you say in your Twitter bio youth impact group, just tell us more about what you're doing off the field, helping kids and youth in the Bay Area. Absolutely. So prior to COVID, um, prior to COVID, we started a nonprofit. Uh, one of my uh, partners started a nonprofit, and that was to that was more of like a mental health space. So I was working as a school resource officer with the San Francisco Police Department, and uh, we had a so at Presidio Middle School is a, a large middle school, 1,200 students. Um, the principal gave me the opportunity to work with the the troubled youth, right? So I had 16 kids that I was able to work with. And what I figured out is they didn't really know how to uh, like voice their, their frustrations or deal with whatever's going on at home. So we started a homeroom there every Friday and they were, it was a free space. You can talk about the principal, your mom, your dad, whatever you wanted to. And we wanted you to get that out. Right. So that's what the, so they're like, okay, why are they fighting? Why are they doing this? It's stuff that they don't even know how to handle inside. So um, that's where the youth impact nonprofit came through. And, um, and that's just focusing on, I guess, not even the trouble, whoever wants to talk about their feelings, right? If you don't have a, a, a mentor, a big brother, I can be that for you. My, my friends can be that for you and bringing in good role models. Some of my friends are firefighters or sergeants in the uh, air force and things like that role models to, to help them feel better and give them some type of hope. So that's how that started. And then it's all just caveated into, uh, you know, like the off the field, like the recruiting stuff. I'm really trying my hardest to get these kids opportunity to play at the next level. If that's D one or if it's NAIA, just the opportunity to go travel, um, see something different, and ultimately get their degree. 
So that's what I'm shooting for. And they can always come back to San Francisco. So um, that's definitely one of my, my goals now is like the recruiting, getting, getting our kids out of here, right? Just get that education and experience. If it's full scholarship, if it's partial, if it's, if it's a preferred walk-on, but just the opportunity to do it. And what can kids do to get themselves recruited and get themselves to separate themselves from the rest of the pack and get colleges interested in them? The biggest thing is grades. That GPA, the GPA really opens up a lot of doors, right? It opens up so many doors. Um, so the best athletes sometimes don't don't get the scholarship, but the, the person with the best GPA will. So I, now I'm just, even if I got a, you know, nag on like, what's your GPA? Oh my God, you got a 2.5, like, you know, messing with them. And then they come back, Co Coach Hill. I got a 2.7 now, right? So, okay. And I'm like, we'll get a 3.0, right? And just keep on going just for they can get their grades up. Because I know when I'm contacting these coaches, the second question is, can I see their transcripts, right? So if we got the the film and the transcripts, we got, we got some opportunities. And coach, I kind of want to go back into your nonprofit too, as well. I love what you're trying to do and mental health obviously had this stigma around it for a long time. And I think it's finally going away. But kind of translate how you can take that mental health part of it and then translate it into football, too, of, you know, confidence and all that sort of stuff. Absolutely. I think um, it's important for them just to know themselves and know what they're what they're dealing with. So if they have trusted coaches, then they'll, they'll, they'll talk to you. Right. They'll talk to you. Uh, Coach Hill, like even late night text, Coach Hill, uh, can I ask you a question? Yeah. What's up, man? Like, what do you need? And just just a, a, a confidence in a person that they feel they can talk to. And then translating that into the field, it just makes them better players, right? And I always say, you can be angry and just use it on the field. If you want, this is the greatest sport to be angry, right? You have a free pass to tackle somebody or hit them as hard as you can. So let's use that anger in a, in a positive sense, right? I don't want you fighting or, you know, missing practice or anything like that. We can deal with all this on this football field, so... And what can kids do nowadays to help their mental health and improve their mental health, especially in an age where we've seen a pandemic's really taking things away and also where there's the pressures of social media and digital media and all of that kind of stuff? Yeah, this social media makes it tough because it creates this standard, so to speak, that they feel. And then sometimes, I mean, we probably know we're a lot older that some of these people think that they present as they have everything together and they really don't, right? So it's all for show. So I tell them like, Hey, we don't really know what they really live like. And, and maybe that one of those guys are a millionaire, but what about the ones that aren't? So we can't have that standard. Our standard have to be something that we can achieve and unique and creative to our own life. So it, it's not necessarily to be a millionaire or be popular. It can be like, let's go to school. Let's graduate high school. Let's, you know, play three varsity sports. Let's, you know what I mean? There, there's different goals that, that we can hit. So I try to like keep them grounded in reality uh, rather than, you know, uh, looking at what's going on on social media, but it is tough. Even my, my 11 year old son is talking about some, some guy on, on YouTube and I'm like, it's one of him, right? There's the only one of him. So let's not put our goals to be that guy. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. I think social media has turned in. It's a blessing, uh, you know, because of all the different access you get to these incredible people, but it's also a curse in many different ways. So it's a, uh, it's a two way dagger right there, but Chris, do you want to get into the fun questions here or get them started? <laughs> yeah. I mean, one of the big ones is who is your favorite athlete ever? 
and then your favorite athlete right now, currently? Ooh, well, I'm a LeBron James fan. A lot of people hate, hate the guy. If we had, they, a lot of people hate the guy, but I love him. Right. Right? I love him. He, I mean, even with all the hate and the slander, he still is, is successful, right? And I think he's a good role model uh, on the court and off the court, especially what he's doing out in the school and all his, you know, his foundations. But um, LeBron James is my overall athlete. Um, as far as like football, I really liked uh, Chad Johnson's confidence, right? Like you can talk the crap, but you got to back it up. And you got to back it up every single weekend. So I, I'm down with that. I tell my players, you can talk, but make sure you make the play, right? You can't talk crap and then drop the ball. It just doesn't go hand in hand. But um, right now, um, I'm just an overall football fan. I don't have a favorite player right now. There's a few people that, that kind of like pop out to me. Um, um, I love, I mean, Pat Mahomes, you got to like him. You got to like what he's doing on the, on the field and on, on the business end and getting into these other different avenues. If it's the baseball team, if it's the, uh, now I guess the soccer team. So off the, you know, off the field stuff. And I think uh, the entire, just the NFL has put efforts toward community service and getting those guys out there and starting their foundation. So I respect all the guys that come back and do stuff for their community. Um, a guy that I, I know personally is Joe Mixon, right, um, from the Bay Area. So he's he's the football camp, or if you just see him at our at our games and our practices, just a normal guy. And that rings a lot of, I mean, that carries a lot of weight with me. Like there's no, you can be the starting quarterback from the Cincinnati Bengals and act like a big shot, or you can be like a starting quarterback from the Cincinnati, I'm sorry, running back for the Cincinnati Bengals and act like a regular person. And I respect that a lot more, so. And maybe for people that don't know, but Joe Mixon does have ties to your program too, right? With Jerry. Absolutely. So yeah, Jerry is his family member. So, um, so, and I was quite shocked when he first came to the game, I believe it was Sarah last year and I didn't know who he was cause I only seen him with the helmet on and he didn't say like, Hey, I'm Joe Mixon. It was kind of like, Hey coach, like, you know, Jerry's my family member and, 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 and very casual and very cool. And I kind of just went home like, damn, like that was Joe Mixon. So I was starstruck after, but, yeah, he definitely is around. Um, he's a great person to have around. He's a motivator, for especially for his uh, young nephew. So, yeah, he definitely has ties to our program. And what's your favorite home-cooked meal? You know, I'm a soul food guy. Like, I, I, I still like fried chicken. My mom can still whip it up, right? She can still whip it up. Uh, fried chicken and mac and cheese and everything that goes with it. And then my, my second meal will probably be a burrito, so. You can't go wrong with either one of those two. I do want to go back to the LeBron James thing, though. Got to respect oh, no. what he's doing off the court with the school and what he does on the court. But some of his, his recent tweet where he's like, you know, keep the same energy and stuff like that, that's the stuff that annoys me. Um, but other than that, you know, can't go wrong with his talent and what he's done for the community and whatnot, too. But It's hard, it's hard to, to be LeBron. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard to be that guy. But, yeah, I mean, I guess what hey, – Talk is good. Uh, what do we are in August? Like, we'll see when 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 it's time to play. You know, la later in the spring. So, for sure, for, for sure. And then the next one is going to be: What is your favorite show of all time? Oh, you know, I really. I mean, so back back in the day, we didn't have cable, and I used to I used to watch Seinfeld. So a lot of people. <laughs> A lot of my friends like Seinfeld, like, hey, that was a good show, especially when you have cable. That was a classic. So uh, Seinfeld, yeah, is my, my sneaky all-time favorite favorite show. Yeah, who's your favorite character in Seinfeld? 
Um, I kind of like I like the the combination of them all, right? Like um, one's crazy. One of the guys he's crazy and acting all sporadic, and then you know Jerry's acting super like even kill most of the time. But I I just like them all. A mix of all of them kind of just makes the show, and I think they all have unique you know roles within that show. Yeah, you yeah. can't go wrong with a legend like Seinfeld. I mean, one of the greatest comedians of all time, for sure. So for can't sure. go wrong with that. Right, and then movie. Say it again. Favorite movie. Uh, my my favorite movie is Forrest Gump. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, my favorite movie is Forrest Gump. I, I just really, I really like that movie. I don't know why, um, but when the first time I watched it, and I'll watch it anytime if it comes on TV, like. Forrest Gump is pretty up there. And then I got one more question for you. If you could be a part of any Olympic sport um, during the Summer Olympics, which sport would you choose? Well, you know, I just I just watched a video of this c- competitive walking, right? Like it's a competitive <laughs> walking. And, and I didn't even know it was an Olympic sport, but I'm like, I might could do that. Uh, that's like a, a, a almost a jog, right? A, a fast jog. I think I can... I can win at least bronze in that one. <laughs> yeah, I just saw that video too. It does not look like he's walking. That looks like a jog. No. I, yeah, I, it, it's a jog. Yeah, I I think they need to. He either needs to be disqualified or they need to change the rules because that's not walking. Yeah, I, I wanted to look at the rule when I seen the video. There there has to be some some type of rule, but yeah, I, I can do competitive walking. <laughs> all right, all right. Sounds good. I mean, I'm not gonna bash your choice, but I feel like there's something more exciting you could have chose. <laughs> I don't know. I like those answers though. He's got that. He's got Seinfeld. He's got Forrest Gump. Greg, anyone's given us better answers than what Coach has given us? Uh, you know, it the most unique answers. I think that's the best way to put it. I like it though. It's what you need. Yeah. Yeah, I, I got a lot of movies and a lot of things, but it, it's weird. Those are just the ones that I like. Hey, no judgment here. They're all good classics. Uh, the only <laughs> judgment might be the the fast walking for the Olympics. That might be my biggest judgment for you. Hey, I'm just trying to get on the, get on the podium and win. So true. Yeah, true. That, that was my way in there. <laughs> hey, we've got professional cornhole and everything else on television, so I'm not really gonna hate on professional walking. <laughs> right. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, thank you so much to Coach Mike Hill from Sacred Art Cathedral for coming on today. Be sure to follow West Coast Preps and subscribe to our YouTube channel for all of our podcasts, interviews, and much more. Follow all of our work on social media at West Coast Preps underscore and follow all of our content at westcoastpreps.com. Thank you, guys. Love.